0: I'm fascinated with platform marketing. So entities like Uber and Amazon and Airbnb are all platforms where providers and customers come to the same aggregated platform, right? To create exchanges of value. And you plug into them depending on who you are and what you need. but is there a platform strategy for higher ed where there's more a shared, aggregated place for institutions to plug into and students to find them? You know, I don't think Coursera or edX have effectively answered this question, but it could come.
1: Welcome to How to Market a University, a special podcast series featuring vignettes of Dr. Teresa Flannery's book, How to Market a University. Terry Flannery has spent her entire career in higher education. She was the first marketing director and chief marketing officer at the University of Maryland, the first vice president of communications at American University, and most recently, the interim vice president for marketing and communication at Stony Brook University. At a time of declining public support, a shrinking pipeline of traditional college-bound students, and a steady rise in tuition and discount rates, higher education leaders have never been under more pressure. How can they ensure steady or growing enrollments while cultivating greater philanthropic support, increasing research funding, and diversifying revenue streams? In How to Market a University, Terry argues that institutions can meet all of these goals by implementing strategic, integrated marketing in ways that are consistent with academic culture and university values. Enrollify and Terry have joined forces to produce Enrollify's first-ever master course that mirrors the robust learnings and deep insights packed into Terry's book. Over the next eight weeks, this special podcast series will give you a taste of what you can expect in the master course. But that's it. Just a taste. To unpack all of the language, the frameworks, the tools, and the tactics that CMOs or aspiring CMOs will need to learn to lead the work of marketing in higher education, we invite you to register for the master course on how to market a university at enrollify.org forward slash master course. Again, that's enrollify.org forward slash master Master course. This master course features guest experts like Seth Odell, Jenny Petty, Jamie Hunt, Ethan Braden, Michael Stoner, Angela Pollock, Binti Harvey, Bob Johnson, and many more. It's also filled with downloadable templates and worksheets to help you retain the course material. And last but certainly not least, this course was made possible by the leading agencies in higher education marketing, who all came together to support this effort. We want to thank Simpson Scarborough, Mind Power, DD Agency, and Ology. For their incredible guidance and partnership. To learn more about how these firms have helped colleges and universities of all shapes and sizes realize their branding, marketing, enrollment, and advancement goals, hop on over to their respective websites in the show notes below. All right, without further ado, welcome to the How to Market a University podcast series. So, Terry, we've spent a fair amount of time over the last few episodes talking at a high level about brand development, brand strategy, brand expression. And in this episode, we're going to get a little bit more tactical and specifically talk about digital marketing and how digital marketing fits into an institution's overarching marketing, strategic marketing mix. But And I wanted to start off by getting your thoughts on institutions of higher education that you think are just nailing digital marketing. Which ones come to mind? And what is it about these schools that, that you think separate them from the rest of the crowd.
0: Mm-hmm. I was gonna say, there's a probably a Rorschach test that you could just look at the homepage of anybody's website and tell whether they've gotten savvy about this or not. Because <laughs> if they've still got everything but the kitchen sink for different audiences on the um, site, then you know there's a problem. But if they've got a request for information and some calls to action right up at the top, really clearly just a couple, then that's a sign that they're at least moving in the right direction. Um, <clears throat> I think you know one of the things that's funny about digital is that if you're not in the target audience you don't see most of the digital work right Mm -hmm. so it's a little harder to know or to notice who's doing this well but in my experience the institutions that had to be in the online space for online programs were the league leaders in this space and in a lot of cases they're still setting the pace so arizona state western governors and southern new hampshire university that are quite good at this i don't i'm interested do you have examples yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, I, I feel like that that's an interesting point about, yeah, if you're not in their target demo, you probably don't see most of their digital ad creative at least, right. uh, which makes a lot of sense. One of the things that I love to do is just look up on Facebook ads library or moat.com to see what are the different ads that institutions are mm-hmm. currently running. And pro tip, if you didn't know it already, if you go to Facebook ads library, you just Google it. I don't know what the actual domain is or moat.com. You can plug in the name of any college or university and see current campaigns that they're Ooh. running across Facebook or for moat.com across Google Display Networks. But anyways, you're such a marketing <laughs> You are. I, I geek out over this stuff. <laughs> but, but actually, the one that came to mind when you first asked that question, Terry, was actually this small liberal arts college in Iowa called Loris College. And what I love about them is I, I've seen a couple of their ad creative on mode.com and they, they stood out for, again, being sort of a smaller Catholic liberal arts college. But what really stood out to me about Loris was when I clicked on one of their ads, I was taken to their homepage. And normally that's an indicator that, like, someone doesn't really know it. Like, if, if you're sending a ton of traffic Facebook ad or a, a Google ad to yeah, your homepage… homepage. It's typically an indicator that someone's not quite sure what they're doing, right? Hmm. However, on Loris's homepage, they have this really cool dynamic form that that greets you and says, "Hi!" Like, who are we talking with? Will you fill out your first name, your last name? Are you a prospective undergraduate student or prospective grad student, etc.? And I, I really do think, and I, I've been to a number of college and university websites, hundreds probably, even in just the last couple of years, and. I don't think I've ever seen somebody place a form in the hero banner of their homepage. And so again, I don't know how it's performed. Yeah. But I really appreciated their their bold, quite frankly, yeah. approach.
0: Kind of some moxie there.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to talk a little bit more about the distinction between brand marketing and digital marketing, and I, I know that like people that aren't well versed as well-versed in the literature as you might be. Um, they mix these things up a lot. We've already talked about some good distinctions between brand and marketing in previous episodes of the yeah. show and throughout the course. But in some ways, it seems silly to you know distinguish the two because most of the marketing that we encounter and students encounter, at least up until a particular point these days, is digital. And so distinguishing these two can be quite challenging for for folks so i'd just love for you to talk a little bit about how do you parse out these differences specifically within the context of higher ed
0: yeah jason simon wrote a really interesting post about this a few years ago making a critical distinction and so i'm going to echo that argument here Digital marketing is hyper-targeted, right? It's customized, it's personalized, so it's essentially private. It's experienced only by the people who are in the target audience. Mm. So if you're not in that audience, you can't see it unless you are a practitioner and you go looking for it, right? (laughs) Which means that it can't be observed by any of your other stakeholders or any of the people who are watching to see if the strategy is working. So sometimes it's not the best tool for branding. Of course you use digital marketing for brand marketing, but the tools for brand marketing are not limited to that, right? So I would say, think about digital marketing most often being used to move audiences to increasing levels of engagement, Hmm. like getting alums to become annual donors and getting them to repeat giving a gift annually perhaps at a greater level over time. Or or certainly we know about this in the enrollment function, but essentially it's a sales function. Brand marketing can be achieved with, but isn't limited to digital tools. So it can be more publicly and widely noticed. And we're trying to sort of the echo effect Hmm. that your internal audiences and those that are engaged are getting influenced by others who see it and like like the expression of the brand that helps you with affiliation so there's this other more indirect part of branding that isn't the target audience exactly that still can be really important it's terribly important for notice and then there are tools like environmental branding what's happening in your visitor center you know yeah yeah. the brand's not laid in there then you know i don't know where it should be those are not primarily digital tools so it's got to be a combination of both but i would say you need to be thinking about maybe a balance of investments if you've got a brand strategy that some of it is not going to be in a digital space
1: yeah yeah i don't know that i've actually ever thought about that distinction in that way but i i really like it i mean and it it, it does make sense right because if you think about the fundamentals of like a great digital marketing campaign. It's the, f- the first fundamental is, all right, who is your target audience, right? Like, what are you trying to do? What are How are you trying to move that audience forward or, or increase their engagement with you? And it, if, you know, the best digital marketers understand how to personalize a brand in the best, almost like leverage it in the best possible way Mm -hmm. to get that subset of your audience to take a particular action. And I've never thought about the fact that like, you know, your experience with a brand versus my experience with a brand could be very different depending on, in terms of, uh, you know, your experience with a brand's digital marketing campaign or my experience with a brand's digital marketing campaign could be different, even though it's the same brand. They could be trying to get you to, give back to your alma mater and they could be trying to recruit me to a graduate program or something like that. Right. And yet it's, it's the same brand. So I love that distinction. Thanks for out. As you think about the digital channels that you believe higher ed needs to be investing more in over the next couple of years, what are the ones that come to mind? And then what, if any channels are you either a little bit skeptical of, and, or you think that these channels are maybe more luxury goods. They're not the essentials.
0: Mm. Well, I'm afraid this is going to sound a bit of a, like a bit of a dodge, but <laughs> it depends on your audiences and what you're trying to achieve, right? So it goes back to you know which goals you have and which audiences, and then certain channels are going to be important. But if we looked in an overarching way in terms of trends i can't imagine that social wouldn't continue to be very important for younger audiences yeah Um, but which social channels depends on which audiences there's almost always a new one on the horizon so you need to have members of your team constantly tracking that and there are tools to help you understand demographically who's on which channels and what's emerging as tools you know every time there's a tool that younger audiences flood to Older audiences come along and then the younger audiences want to go get out of there, go to something (laughs) else. Sorry, Facebook. So, you know, that will continue to happen. So I think we have to stay on top of that. I think organic search will continue to be huge, but content strategy has to be kept up for optimization and that's constant. And so we should, thinking about the We should be thinking about the format of our content. For example, voice activated search has become so, so, and so is our content in a form that responds to voice activated search in a really engaging way? It makes audio content more important than it used to be. And even as I've just said that, you know, YouTube is still the top used search engine for younger audiences. So don't give up on your video yet. I would say, Uh, search engine marketing is at a bit of a crossroads right now. Everything that relies on cookies and tracking could be upended by Apple's recent um, feature that allows you to block tracking mechanisms in in your privacy settings. And so everyone's thinking about what's going to replace the process of identifying folks through those tracking measures. And I don't think the answers are clear yet, but that's something we have to watch. I don't know whether email will ever be replaced by some other form of business communication, of course, eventually it will be, but not anytime in the near term. It's still a really useful tool for lots of forms of marketing. And so, you know, I would keep up with that. And then I'm fascinated with the platform marketing. So entities like Uber and Mm. Amazon and Airbnb are all platforms where providers and customers come to the same aggregated platform, right? To create exchanges of value. And You plug into them depending on who you are and what you need. Um, But is there a platform strategy for higher ed where there's more a shared, aggregated place Hmm. for institutions to plug into and students to find them? You know, I don't think Coursera or edX have effectively answered this question, but it could come. So I think that's something to really watch as a model. Yeah. yeah, there's some music ooh, for you. Ooh, good, great <laughs> ideas. I
1: could have so many follow-up questions. Uh, quickly on the last one, I don't know if you how familiar you might be with Unmuddle. They're doing. They're like a startup that's doing. They're specifically focused on community colleges right now. And what they're doing is they're saying, hey. You know, in this world where people can learn from wherever, what if you could sell individual courses, right? So yeah. your community college isn't going to offer everything that Zach needs. But, you, you know, this you offer three of the things that he needs. And then he needs these two other things from this other school. So basically, you can, through model you're taking... You're stacking. You're taking different courses from the actual community college, but I might take three classes from, you know, Nova Community, uh, Northern Virginia Community College, and another one from uh, community college in 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 Maryland, for instance, right? And it's all delivered through on Muddle. so that and you the faculty members that the teachers are in the platform kind of talking to. You. So anyways, I think that they're dabbling in this space at mm-hmm. least a little bit for the content delivery side of things, but anyhow, I I digress. I do think that's going to be really interesting to see what pops up here and, and how folks how folks think about that.
0: But it depends on two things. It depends on providers being institutions being will, willing to unbundle. And it requires enough customers in critical mass to make it a place to go yeah. and be effective. So, And that presents
1: a whole host of challenges. Yeah. But I think that the schools that start thinking this way are going to be ahead of the curve. One, one last thing I wanted to say on the content strategy front, and I'm really glad that you brought that up because from my perspective anyways, I think that there's a lot of work that needs to be done in thinking about what is your organic content strategy. And I would argue, not everyone would agree with me, I'd argue that social falls under that, like at least your organic social, how you're not just the campaigns that you're launching across Facebook and Google, but like, what is your voice on Twitter? What mm-hmm. is your voice on Instagram or TikTok mm-hmm. when you're not running a particular digital marketing campaign focused on a key audience segment? And the number of, of schools that I think understand the importance of content creation now, but don't start by under, they, they start by, okay, what, what is it that we want to say? right? Mm -hmm. What is it that the institution, you know, coming down from the brand strategy here, what is it that we need to be communicating? And I think when it comes to specifically organic search, it's important to know those things, of course. But you also have to understand what are people actually searching for? Mm -hmm. And there are a number of very, you know, free and or very cheap tools out there that can give schools insights into terms that they're organically ranking for. And Oftentimes as as you've noted in in the course and in the book, like, you know, your your you might be your homepage might not be the number one thing that you're ranked for. You might be ranking for a program specific page that you're not even aware of, right? And so what does it look like to start your organic strategy or start your content strategy development with really good organic research? Anyways, that's my plug for this episode. (laughs) I think
0: it's underlining that you need a really great internal digital team that's constantly monitoring what's working for your institution and reallocating from the less effective to the more effective strategies and channels right
1: yeah yeah so so on that note you know what are the skill sets we've talked about this briefly in an earlier episode but just to reiterate specifically in the vein of digital marketing what are the skill sets that these teams that hired marketing teams need to effectively execute digital marketing campaigns, this increasingly competitive market that we're all mm-hmm.
0: living in. So I think one area clearly that we've just talked about is content strategy leadership. Mm. Tim Jones is one of my favorite people who talks about this in really strategic terms. And he's got tools to map out a content strategy for an institution that takes you from the brand tools to what's happening at your institution, what's happening in certain times of year, and map the content in a matrix. Having that kind of leadership and then people to deliver on it with the right capacities, copywriters, designers, photographers, video, whether it's in, in, in your team or outsourced, those are gonna be really important pieces of living up to a content strategy plan. I think MarTech specialists are gonna be really critical Mm -hmm. going forward because we're going to have to wrestle down this question of what is our CRM? Do we have an enterprise wide CRM? Is it possible to get to a point where we can follow the student's journey over the course of a life affiliation with the brand? And does the technology support that? So we can see what that experience looks like. Uh, The content management system, the marketing automation, the people who know how to use this software well, who can help you think about not only installing it, but using it in a mature way are going to be critical. And they might not be on your team. They could be on the IT team, but they're assigned to... Marketing technology is part of the portfolio, what they work on. I think data analysts, obviously, and this goes back to the digital, the importance of good internal digital team. You have to have people who can look at the business intelligence and tell you what's working, what's not, how to make adjustments. And then, you know, one thing I think that will remain true no matter what form of marketing we're using are strategists. You have to have more people besides the CMO who can think about marketing strategy and then focus on a particular portfolio or area. So at a couple of places, TCU adopted this model first and I used it at American. We had account executives internally that Mm -hmm. were assigned to certain um, colleges for their graduate programs or to undergraduate enrollment. And they ended up being responsible for sharing a brain with the leaders in those areas about what are the goals? What are they trying to achieve? They occasionally attend their division meetings. They really became the expert in the central office about that group of programs and, and make sure that they were um, delivering on requests from that unit about things that needed to get produced. The marketing communications in a form that provided real value in terms of strategy.
1: Yeah. I th- that reminds me of a, a model that actually Corinne Myers, who was at University of Michigan for a while, they and she helped them build essentially a, a digital marketing in house agency. Yeah. And they had a similar model to that. And one of the things that she talks a lot about is how important it was to ensure that, you know, while you're sending out these account executives and these representatives to these various units, that at the end of the day, right, that team member is a part of this in-house agency, mm-hmm. so all the economies of scale that an agency right. gets, right. right, needed to be present there in order for them to do do the work properly. So I I love that idea too, and I even think as a marketer, it, it, it it's potentially a little bit more attractive to know that hey, you can go deep. Like these are your yeah. clients, right? Like these are your two or three yeah. or four all these clients. I know partners, yeah, not the C <laughs> word, the P word, but but I think that that can also just help yield much greater work when there is that sort of distrib- distribution of priorities and distribution of yep, talent. yeah, I agree. So how do you think schools should think about whether or not to outsource their digital marketing campaign strategy and execution? This is a question that we get asked a lot. I, I know that this the short answer is it, it depends probably, right? But like, are there any helpful frameworks that you've used over the course of your career to help discern is now a time to outsource? What should be outsourced?
0: Yeah, I think this is true of any capacity you're thinking about, whether it makes sense to build it internally or outsource it. And I think the answers to the questions come with answers to these questions. Is this part of your core capacity as an institution? Do you already know how to do this work well? Is it important for the university to do this work? And if it's not, it might make sense for it to be done by an outsource option. How rapidly do things change in this area? Is there a lot to keep up with? So for example, Google Analytics is a tool that is so frequently changing and being able to use it well requires people staying very much on top of everything that develops in that area. So it might not, uh, unless you can make a commitment to a fairly high salary position for someone who knows that well, and you're going to be committed to keeping up with it, replacing that person if they get stolen because they're in in high demand (laughs) that kind of thing then it might make more sense for it to be outside I I guess what I'm saying is think about um, core capacities think about how deep is your bench relative to other things you need to do think about whether you're able to retain and manage the talent if there's a demand for a particular kind of skill or area in a competitive job market and then you know do you have the support to build the capacities you need or do you have the resources to go out and i mean those are sort of how you sort out those decisions
1: yeah and i think that your first point just around how quickly things change and how hard it is to stay on top of these changes even if you have an incredibly talented You know, digital advertising manager in house or digital marketing strategist in house that understands Google Analytics like the back of their hand. Chances are, like they're probably going to have to be. If you're going to be able to afford them, they're probably going to have to, you know, have you know wear two or three hats. It'll it'll, it might be a shared role, and even that alone, the the sheer quantity of people that are going to want insights and ask questions, the the specialists might just be drowning in email (laughs) communications, right? Because there's going to be a lot of people that want to know this stuff. So. I feel like especially when it comes to digital advertising and some of the the reporting involved I've yet to see is like I'm sure that they're out there but I've yet to see really great examples of like solid in-house teams that have the capacity to do everything from creative to ad management to reporting and that's why you know there are agencies that are in our space so I'm curious you've worked with a number of agencies over the course of your career. I know that you also have a lot of friends in the agency space um, and also many friends who have worked with some of your friends in the agency space and others.
0: I have some frenemies too.
1: You have some frenemies too. <laughs> <laughs> too. Yes. I love your thoughts on what it what is a great like institution and agency relationship look like and again I know that this probably varies dramatically depending on scope and size and whatnot but just what are some things that you've learned about what works and what doesn't work when it comes to agency institution Mm -hmm. relationships? I would say
0: at the beginning, one of the things that's really important is that it's respectful and that the agency recognizes what's special and different about the culture of an institution or the academy, you know, academic institutions, how we make decisions, shared governance, the roles that faculty play, things like that. If, firms don't understand that and respect it and love it, even though it's quirky or can be frustrating at times, then you're gonna be at odds from the very beginning. So I really, mm. when I'm looking for a higher ed agency for one form of work or another, I'm looking for people who have experience in higher ed and love it. They, they mm. actually identify with it as part of who they are. Then you know I think it's important for it to be trusting. I had difficulty with an AG agency at one point in one of my institutions. And it got to the point where I wasn't, I didn't trust them. And my president said to me, why on earth would we put our trust in an organization who holds our brand in their hands? (laughs) (laughs) I like cut it right to the quick, right? It's gotta be trusting. And it needs to continue to be trusting over a period of, another important uh, characteristic is that the agency does things with you, not for you. Mm. So I really like to learn from agencies. It doesn't mean that, you know, I'll, stop using you necessarily but i want to be an educated consumer about what you are providing to me and how it's going and whether the investment is worthwhile or needs adjusting and so i want to understand what you understand maybe not at the same level of detail but i want to become informed by what you're doing yeah and if you are doing things for me and handing them to me and not explaining how you got there that's not something I'd be interested in. Um, And that means I'm going to be a higher need partner or client, (laughs) right? That requires more attention, but I think that is also a very valuable relationship. Agencies that provide frequent and regular reporting about results and insights are really good agencies and they can dial up or dial down depending where an institution is and what they need. They've got a new president who's made a significant investment and that president wants to know exactly what's happening on a new Um, Digital marketing program, for example, you better be checking in regularly and finding out what the president needs in the way of reporting and in what format that's going to be useful and who's going to do the reporting. Is it the person who's your client? Is it you? Is it some combination? Thinking about how to manage that set of expectations to get it over the hump is going to be important. So, there's a few thoughts.
1: Wonderful thoughts. What I would just add on that last point and for maybe a, a word of encouragement for listeners. You know if you've got an agency partner and they're working with you to execute digital marketing campaigns, you still own you should own if you don't, you need to own that data, right? And what that means is like, again, they're they're they are working with you, but they are also working of course. for you. And, and I think that there's this misnomer that oh, if I partner with this agency, I need to. I need to adapt to their process and their way of managing data. And again, I have a lot of agency friends in this space, so this is uh, not targeted at anyone. But, but at the end of the day, you know, it is very important that you understand the numbers because you don't know how long you're going to be with that agency. And and at some point, like if you know, God forbid something were to go wrong, if you don't understand what happened with your campaign, what worked, what didn't work, like that's on you at the end of the day, right? And yeah, go ahead. Go ahead.
0: A lot of people who've, who are at my level m- might not be the digital natives that their younger staff are, yeah. and they're uncomfortable with this stuff, and they're afraid to say, I don't understand, but you have to be able to ask those questions. Yeah. And One of the reasons we in the course, we're going to teach people how to read a digital marketing report
1: yes. so yes. that they yes. become
0: more familiar with it. You just have to get better at asking questions about things you need to learn more about.
1: Yeah, and again, a, a great agency will take that time to to explain it to you and give you that that insight and help you along. Because again, it's in their vested interest, even if it's not going right. great, right? It's important for them to know that and it's important for you to know that so you all can adapt the strategy yep. accordingly. Well, Terry, this has been wonderful. Again, folks, this is episode six of the How to Market University podcast series. If you have not done so already, it is important that you go to enrollify.org forward slash master course and register for the master course on how to market the university with terry flannery these episodes are really just scratching the surface of all that the course has to offer terry thank you for your time and folks if you haven't done so already time to register thanks
0: zach